if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two is underway now at eight minutes past ten o'clock. Thank you so much for being with us on this Tuesday, the 14th morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord 2020. And I want to take this just two seconds here to say happy birthday uh, to my son, my youngest son, my youngest child, I should say, my only son. Jarrett turns 17 today. Happy birthday, J Dog. you are a blessing to all of us. Uh, equally a blessing is Peter Kersenow to our audience. Peter Kersenow is back with us again for his regular Tuesday visit, but we have some very, very important work today. Not that we don't on a regular Tuesday, but Peter Kersenow, Cleveland attorney and member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights, has something really, really huge to unpack for us today. Peter, good morning. How are you, sir? I'm not hearing. Oh, that's because I didn't push the button yet. Sorry about that. We got a new system here, and I've got to make sure that I do my part. Pete, can you hear me now? I can hear you. Okay, sorry about that, um, my friend. Yeah, I'm doing well. I heard your your intro. Um, Only 10 days until the Indians play the Royals, 61 days until the Browns play. I'm holding my enthusiasm on the Browns, uh, not because of the Browns per se, but because the NFL seems to be going down this woke hole. Major League Baseball thus far doesn't seem to be pursuing that path as vigorously as basketball, professional basketball and professional football. But Well, except for the fact that the team you first mentioned will not be that team anymore. Well, we'll see. Uh, is, that, is that definitive? I'm not sure well, that's I mean, come on. Come on, they caved already and gave up Wahoo last year, and now that the Redskins, who have been more adamant than anybody about uh, changing their name, have agreed to do so, you think the Indians are actually going to die on that hill? Uh, I think Dolan will uh, will cave uh, very, very shortly. That's uh, very disappointing. But, yeah, um, that, that's just... That's you know, that's, that's just reading the tea leaves and the way things are going right now, Pete. I can't imagine them standing out uh, and, uh, and 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 holding the name. I just I feel like they're they're going to be just as quickly uh, uh, you know, to succumb to the to the woke crowd as anybody else is. But I hope you're wrong. Yeah. I hope I'm wrong rather. Uh, okay, hey Pete, let's let's dive in here. Um, <clears throat> the sixteen nineteen project we are well aware of, and you and I have discussed in some depth, and you have written about in more depth for National Review. 
1619 Project was the brainchild, essentially, of a racist African-American named Nicole Hannah-Jones, the lead essayist in this project. Um, she just, quite frankly, hates white people. Uh, she hates the white race. She has called the white race, quote, the biggest murderer, rapist, pillager, and thief of the modern world, among other things. She says that Christopher Columbus is uh, the same as Hitler. She said the white's lasting monument was a destruction and enslavement of two races of people. She hates white people, and she was allowed to put together something called the 1619 Project, run it for the New York Times, and get it implemented as curriculum in school districts all over the country, the next of which <clears throat> excuse me, is likely to be Ohio, which is what we're talking about today. The 1619 Project for the Uninformed alleges that the United States did not begin in 1776 with its Declaration of Independence from the British, uh, that it actually started, this country started in 1619, the day that the first African slaves arrived uh, in North America. And Pete, I'm going to give you wide latitude here because there are, there's a lot to talk about, but the reason we're focusing on this today is because today they are voting in Columbus at the Ohio Board of Education to adopt, essentially, the curriculum of the 1619 Project to indoctrinate all Ohio school children um, into believing that the history that we have always been taught about 1776 is erroneous and that this country was founded on slavery and this, fo- this country was essentially created to facilitate and continue slavery. Um, and uh, it is... To call it virtue signaling is a gross understatement. It does a disservice to the danger of the situation, Pete. And I'm going to let you pick it up from there. Yeah, that's a very good summary, Bob. First, I'll tell you, because as you know, I I try to be very nice about things. Um, I don't know if Nicole Hannah-Jones is a racist. Everything you said is accurate in terms of what she has said, um, but the implications of what she says is so deeply pernicious and harmful to America that truly can't be overstated. First of all, let's talk a couple of mechanical issues. It's really unfortunate that in the midst of a pandemic and questions about whether or not schools are going to be opening and people's attention being diverted to more urgent concerns for the moment, it's the middle of summer, most Ohioans, most Americans, aren't focused on what their individual boards of education, whether it be state or local, are doing. And that's unfortunate. We should always be focused on it because we've seen over the last 40 years that there's been a very pernicious, insidious curriculum that's been infused within our, our curricula, uh, in our school systems, that has resulted in what we're seeing right now. 40 years of American children being told that the country is racist, horrible, it, it's not worth defending, and understand uh, setting aside for a moment the implications of the 1619 Project, the overarching attempt here has been for 35 to 40 years to undermine the legitimacy of the founding of the United States of America and America itself. This is a, a long-range leftist project. It sounds like a conspiracy theory, but and in fact, it, it truly is. It's not just a theory. There has been a coordinated effort to undermine the the foundational aspects of America in the minds of the citizenry, beginning with kids, and we've seen the results of that in the last month and a half. We've seen it for a long time, but the last month and a half has brought it into stark relief. Statues being torn down, calls to really repeal much of the Bill of Rights and effectively repealing the Bill of Rights in terms of free speech and free association and, and otherwise, uh, we've seen just an unleashing of mass hysteria and insanity 
that wouldn't be possible unless there was a fundamental hatred of the, the values and the foundational elements of the United States of America. That didn't flow full, fro- full flower just in a couple of days or in a couple of weeks or a couple of months. It wasn't just simply a reaction to the George Floyd situation. This is something where the seeds had been planted a long, long time ago and very subtly. I said once before, and I may have said it to you, that the old KGB of the Soviet Union would have paid billions of dollars to get the 1619 project into our curriculum because it functionally does what they were always trying to do to the United States of America, and that is turn the citizenry against the values and the precepts of the country so that socialism, in their case communism, could be imposed on the country, so the country would be more receptive to uh, accepting socialism and communism. So that's the overarching plan, and we're perilously close to getting there. What's really extraordinary is that this 1619 project and the revo- revo- I'm sorry, resolution that is being proposed today that would eventually result in the curriculum being adopted is, my understanding is it's being proposed by Republicans, a couple of Republican state board members or a mm-hmm. Republican state board member. And you've seen this throughout, Bob. We've seen it, especially in the last month and a half, where we've seen these Republicans, and I'm not going to be pejorative about them, but, you know, <laughs> you know, who needs Democrats when you've got Republicans doing the functional work of them? But Republicans are trying to gain some currency, apparently, some props for being sufficiently woke, and they're doing untold harm to America, and in this case, the children of the United States of America. Anyways, that's a long preamble to say... I was unaware, and I fought myself for this, that today the State Board of Education was going to be voting on a resolution that paves the way for the 1619 project to be introduced into the curriculum. Uh, This resolution couldn't be more more wrong-headed, more false in its foundational aspects, and more dangerous to children. It really incorporates racist ideology. I am not... over-exaggerating or exaggerating at all on this. I've got the resolution in front of me. It will be... Pete, let me, let me jump in. Let, let me jump in. Uh, I do too, and I want to set you up. Let me do the reading of some of these uh, clauses or these, you know, the, the elements of this resolution, and then I want you to respond. Um, to call this racist, which you just did, is accurate, and of course, the way it is presented by the um, uh, whoever wrote it for the State Board of Education, um, the way they wrote it, it's saying this is to combat racism. As a matter of fact, it's headed, Section 20 is, resolution to condemn racism and to advance equity and opportunity for black students, indigenous students, and students of color. And here are a few of the uh, items in the uh, in the section. Whereas profound disparities between black, indigenous, and people of color color students and their white peers exist in all parts of the Ohio education system. Whereas gaps between test performance of black, indigenous, and people of color students and their white peers have been observed since Ohio began uh, disaggregating the data. And whereas progress to close those gaps has been uneven and unsatisfactory. And whereas a culturally responsive curriculum reflects the history and background of all students and empowers students to value all cultures cultures and not just their own, and you know that you're going to have something to say about that, whereas research has shown that a culturally responsive curriculum can motivate students of color to a higher level of academic achievement, 
Whereas black male students lag far behind their white counterparts in several measures of educational attainment, including graduation rates, which keeps gainful employment out of reach. And whereas starting as early as preschool, black male students are affected disproportionately by suspensions, expulsions, and zero-tolerance discipline policies in the school, in the schools. I'm going to stop there. Well, actually, one more. Whereas significant gaps between the performance of black students compared to their white peers exist, even in generally resourced schools. In other words, non-poverty-stricken schools, if you will. Pete, to listen to all of that is to uh, is to you know to to understand that the Ohio Department of Education has been fostering a racist atmosphere mm-hmm. from the very beginning and the reason for poor black graduation rates and achievement rates and test scores uh, and attendance and uh, records of discipline is because of the systemic racism of all Ohio Board of Education members uh, school administrators themselves uh, teachers resource counselors etc cetera, etc cetera. it's nothing to do with the individuals it has to do with this system um, that's a lot of stuff there to unpack. And this is, as you say, what they're using to set the table for the introduction of the 1619 Project as school curriculum. Yeah. Uh, I know you're going to a break, and we can discuss oh, the, are, this boogeyman systemic racism. Uh, I've got a lot to say about that. Okay. Unfortunately, you know, we've only got a few minutes, but nonetheless, uh, we'll, we'll try to get as much of this in as possible. No, Pete, we'll spend the rest of the hour on it uh, if we have to. I really mean that. I want to hear you, because, again, I know you have studied the data yourself, and I know we have spoken about some of these individual items, but we'll take them all together here as we continue. Uh, Kirsten now is going to be with us till the top of the hour. Settle in and listen. You're going to need to hear uh, what he has to say. Coming up on AM 1420, the Okay, 1025 now. we got five minutes left in this segment, but we are going to talk with Pete or listen to Pete for the remainder of the show, so please settle in. Pete, I just ran through some of the preambles adopted by the Board of Education that are going to be voted on today, uh, as I understand it, uh, that lead to the resolutions, and they are essentially resolving to adopt the 1619 Project Curriculum, which has been described by historians, uh, and yourself included, and other educational scholars as being fictitious, essentially. Playing last, uh, fast and loose with the, with the uh, uh, historical uh, uh, facts, and essentially substituting their own inaccuracies that uh, advance their na- their narrative. So, uh, let me go ahead and ask you to respond to some of those preambles and take that as far as you want into the resolutions. Oh, I'm sorry, Pete. Pete, I'm sorry. Yeah, I said I didn't have you punched up again. I'm still getting used to the new system. My bad. Go ahead, Pete. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Bob, it's, uh, you're right about it, but it's more than just fictitious. This is poison. This is something that will do a just unimaginable damage to our children and also to society as these ideas permeate. It's based on a complete and abject lie. And I will tell you, based on all the things we've looked at at the Civil Rights Commission, the mountains of study and data we've done on this thing, all of these things are going to end up hurting the purported intended beneficiaries. It's going to happen as, as, as certainly as night follows day, it's going to happen. Now, some of these preambles are just blatantly false and, frankly, they're boneheaded. Uh, for example, they say that there, there are this, these disparities between white students and black students 
all of that is correct. But when you read through the preambles, what they're doing is indicting the Ohio teachers themselves, pretty much. They are saying that all these inequities occur. Are they saying that the wokest profession in the country, that is teachers and their unions, are acting in a racist manner against black kids? Let's also remember that a significant proportion of teachers are black. Are they acting in a racist manner against black children. Here's what's happening. One of the biggest problems, in addition to being false and lies, with this is that, and hurting the intended purported beneficiaries, is that it misdiagnoses the problem, and as a result, the problems are going to persist and get worse. It's going to be exacerbated by the fact that everything is viewed through a racist or racial lens, which will make people more race race conscious which will divide races but again the prescriptions that it outlines are going to do nothing more than exacerbate current problems and disparities and the reason is it completely avoids the one biggest reason for this again it, to read this suggests that the school board system, the school teachers themselves, are the ones who must be doing these things that account for these inequities. If they're not saying that, then it must be because they're saying that, well, black school districts and black children are not properly funded, but they admit in one of the preambles here, and this is in fact the case, that the disparities in academic achievement that they talk about persist. I'm trying to, I'm, I have it here somewhere, right here. Whereas significant gaps between the performance of black students compared to their white peers exist, even in generously resourced schools. Mm -hmm. This is not a money issue, as was demonstrated a million times over, but the one that stands out is back in the 1980s when the Kansas City schools were being desegregated and the federal judge mandated that they spend a billion, now this is the 1980s, a billion dollars in resources to upgrade these schools. I mean, these schools got indoor pools, they got computers, they got all kinds of other things. And then when an analysis was done after that billion dollars in 1980s dollars was spent on black schools, there was absolutely no improvement in academic achievement, and the academic achievement gap between blacks and whites widened. This is a, a complete failure on the part of anybody to look at the root causes, and I hate using that term, but there is one cause that we have looked at a million times over that eliminates the disparities, but no one wants to talk about it. It's politically incorrect to do so. You get in trouble. People lose their jobs. Heck, I might lose my job as a result, but it's important to speak the truth. Otherwise, you can sign another generation of kids into just poverty and despair and disparities. And that is when you control for one factor, Bob, and we've talked about this below, b before, and you know, know what I'm what about it to is. say. You Go control ahead. for one factor, virtually every disparity between similarly situated whites and blacks disappears entirely, and that is the two-parent family. This does not address that at all. It ignores it completely, which means the disparities are going to persist for as far as the eye can see. This does nothing but 
cosmetically paper over problems and actually it does more than okay. that. It's worse, as I indicated. Yeah, it, it, it is, let me, let me, let me jump in here because we got to get to our news. I want you to explain more about, you know, that one root cause, which is, you know, clearly uh, the biggest issue. And they will say, and I want you to think about this during the break, they will say, the supporters of the 1619 Project and this ridiculous uh, list of resolutions uh, put forth by the Ohio State Board of Education that will be, be, will be voted on today, they will say that is an example of systemic racism because the reason why there are so few two-parent households in the black community is because of systemically incarcerating them, that those are the examples of the unfairness. So I want to talk about that and let you respond to that and more as we continue with Peter after this. Okay, 1036 now. We're diving right back into the... uh into the pool here. Peter Kersenow is with us. Peter Kersenow, of course, is a Cleveland attorney and a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights, and he is dissecting for us um, a proposal among the other proposals that is going to be voted on today by the Ohio State Board of Education. It essentially is a Black Lives Matter screed. It blames the schools, the teachers, the administrators, uh, all the way to the state board, apparently blaming themselves for systemic racism as being the reason why there is an achievement gap and a graduation gap and a grade gap between whites and blacks. Peter Kersenow was just about to explain uh, why this is so faulty and why it's so dangerous. And Pete, one thing that I know you have talked about before um, that they never address in any of these. Black Lives Matter doesn't address it. Um, uh, this, the, the, the woke board members who are proposing this, they don't address it either. Is why do they assume that black is the only minority in, in, in American demography? Why, why, why are we to assume that it's only blacks or whites? There are other minority groups, and one in particular is extraordinarily successful despite the That's same right. sorts of biases that some suggest exist in the system. Take it from there. Yeah, uh, and thanks for, for that. Uh, you know, I know we, we emailed each other about this. Um, the fact of the matter is that all of this is a function of this theme that somehow America is an overarchingly racist country founded in slavery, and the reason for the entire founding was to preserve slavery. Um, This has nothing to do in the long term with race, this curriculum or this resolution. This has to do with power in changing the United States of America, as I indicated, because the idea is to delegitimize the founding so it provides an impetus and a reason to change the entire structure of the country. But to your point, this is based on an alleged disparity between blacks. That's, I mean, goes through this. I mean, it talks about um, black, indigenous, and people of color, this new acronym that they've come up with. By the way, if you ever see these kinds of things, these new acronyms, start running for the hills because you know you're about to get a load of bull. Uh, so it's called a BIPOC, okay? This is something that's been around for maybe about a year. I first start seeing it at the Civil Rights Commission. And again, as I've said before, if you want to know what the left has in store for society in general, uh, five years from now, come to a Civil Rights Commission meeting today. We see all this stuff. They try it out here. Bottom line here is the reason why you only hear about blacks mainly when you're talking about this is the disparity is so large. But here's the problem with it. Okay, the idea that this is all founded in white supremacy. In fact, they had that in this resolution talking about white supremacy, white supremacy, white supremacy and white privilege is, is and also white privilege. Exactly. Exactly. So um, what they forget is this. 
if they maintain that blacks are being discriminated against, that there is systemic racism, they got some explaining to do, as Ricky Ricardo used to say. That is that why is it that Asians who've been discriminated against throughout history, they were not slaves, but they were discriminated against. They were interned by the Democratic God, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. People forget about all that. Um, but Asians outstrip whites in virtually every category imaginable in terms of education, income, and so forth. How come discrimination hasn't affected them? So if you say, well, I can hear the left say right now, well, that's different because the black discrimination is much more profound and pronounced. Okay, all right, let's say that, although it doesn't explain the huge difference between Asians and whites right. and Asians and blacks. But if you take a look at the data, for some reason, excluded from this racism that permeates through the entire country are Nigerians and people from Ghana and other places in Africa, because Nigerians outperform whites in virtually every measure there is, education, grades in education, uh, attendance in college, income, so on and so forth. Same is true for immigrants from Ghana. So why is it that they're excluded somehow from this calculus? That's a real problem for these racialists who try to tell us that, that this country is so endemically racist that black people don't have a chance of prospering whatsoever unless we adopt this Marxist curriculum. And that gives the game away right there. But beyond that, let's now talk about the fact that they are looking at the wrong... Let's give them... Let's accord to them an element of good faith. The fact of the matter is they're focused in the wrong direction at the wrong problem, which means that the real problem is going to remain unaddressed. It will not even be spoken, and these disparities are going to persist. And guess what, Bob? I've been watching this long enough that it finally dawned on my little peanut head. This is precisely what the left wants. They don't want... I used to think that, no, this can't be true. I used to accord you know, an element of goodwill to these folks, as I do to all my adversaries or people with whom I disagree. But that's not what they're about. They want these, these disparities to persist because it gives them an ongoing reason to continue to reconstruct America. America will always be imperfect in their minds, more than just imperfect. It will be racist and evil, and they will try to communicate that to the public abroad so that gives them a basis, a foundation in which to change America to their liking. They're never going to reach that point, but they're going to continue to wield power by stoking racial resentment and this claim that somehow the United States has this indelible strain of racism that can't be eradicated unless, unless the left is at the helm. So many different elements of this resolution are, and I want to be as charitable as I can, because there were some people who promulgated this in good faith, okay? But that doesn't give you an excuse to do something that damages so badly the very people you're trying to help, but society more broadly. But more importantly, we're talking education. Education should be based on facts, not falsehoods, truth, not lies, but permeating this entire resolution are presumptions that are demonstrably false. Give you just one. Please. Um, it says here, it, it talks about systemic um, inequities. It says, whereas... 
starting as early as preschool, black male students are affected disproportionately by suspensions, expulsions, and zero-tolerance discipline policies in schools. Now, that is said in in the context of this unfairness and racism that allegedly permeates the system, that somehow blacks are disproportionately disciplined. Bob, we've gone through this a million times. We had the Obama school discipline guidance, which Biden last week announced he wants to reinstitute after Trump, thank God, has rescinded it, Mm -hmm. which effectively mandated quotas in discipline. In other words, quotas regardless of behavior of the students affected. The truth of the matter is black students that's black female and male students. In fact, we've had testimony at the Civil Rights Commission that some of the worst offenders were black female students. But it's an unfortunate fact that not just blacks, but black and Hispanic students are three to four times more likely to commit the types of disciplinary offenses that result in suspensions and expulsions. You can't simply paper over that fact and then mandate that suspensions and expulsions be, on a percentage basis, equal. Because yeah. what and happens let, let, me, is, let me jump into that for a second as to the why. And, and this goes back to what our last uh, uh, part of our conversation was before the break when I said this is what they will say in response when you talk about um, the fatherless uh, households and the preponderance of them being in, in black uh, uh, black families or bl- the black community. 70-plus percent of black children are born into single-parent households. When you don't have that male role model and that male authority figure, that male disciplinarian, which is usually the case in most families, not all, but the male, the father is usually the disciplinarian. When you don't have that person there to teach the child respect for authority, they don't have respect for authority in the home, they take that same mentality and attitude in the school where they don't have respect for the authority of the teacher, the assistant principal, the principal, the lunchroom monitor, etc. And they do then, you know, not having any authority to respect commit those offenses. What this would do is say, too bad. Let them be. You can't suspend more of them than you do the white people or else it is systemically racist. What is that going to encourage other people or children or students of color, particularly black students, since that's where we are with this? What's that going to encourage them to do if they know that they can't suspend me? They're already close to their quota or, you know, because kids hear things. They're not stupid. Uh, they know that, you know, they know full well that they're not going to be facing any serious consequences because it will have been determined that they can't based on the number of them that there are. Everyone in your audience knows what the consequences are because we have common sense. But I will give you data on it, okay? If you don't believe in your own gut or your own common sense, we had a hearing. I don't know that the State Board of Education has that common sense. That's my fear. (laughs) Right? You have it. I have it. Our audience has it. But does the State Board that's going to cast this vote today have it? I'm sorry. Go ahead, Pete. Yeah, but the fact of the matter is we had a hearing on precisely this issue at the Civil Rights Commission. You don't even have to have hearings. But unfortunately, we've gotten to the point where we have to have hearings on common sense. We had teachers testify about the ramifications of the school discipline guidance by the Obama administration where... Students who came from single-parent homes acted out in class and were not permitted to be suspended and disciplined because you had this quota in place. These students, we had one teacher in front of us who testified with brain damage. 
brain damage. She had been beaten to a pulp by a student who knew he couldn't, he even said it, can't be suspended. Other students were petrified. It, it, we're talking, in most cases, majority black and Hispanic schools, and we heard that there were one, at least one million student days missed in the year after the uh, guidance was implemented by students who were afraid of going to school. More violence occurred. Uh, violence increased by an extraordinary measure, not just violence against students, but against teachers also, because they saw that the teachers were backing off, the administrators were backing off. They had absolutely, the teachers testified, they know that they have us cowed. They have no respect for us whatsoever, no respect whatsoever for adult authority. All the things that make common sense, right? If you know anything about human nature, that if you don't have an adult male in the house, it's far less likely a type of discipline is going to be imposed that is necessary to make sure that that individual respects other adults. I know you and I could never have gotten away with that in our households because I know that Nick Kersenow would have beaten me raw. He wasn't a child abuser. He would have beaten me raw with a belt. And I would have behaved without question. That's missing in too many. I don't, I'm not calling for child abuse. I'm not calling for, you know, you know, some type of vicious corporal punishment. That's not what I'm saying. I'm calling for discipline, whereas a role model who is male is going to be exercising that kind of discipline far more effectively than a single parent, especially a female single parent, and that translates into behavior yeah. in schools and that harms other individuals, both administrators, teachers, and students. So briefly, Pete, again, what they will say is, okay, well, that's the system's fault that the black male role model is not in the families in, in all of these situations because the, the system has locked them up and lock them up at a disproportionate rate. You see, I mean, it's going from a micro to a macro level here. They're saying you're, you're suspending the young boys at a disproportionate rate, uh, and the reason they're getting that way, maybe a better example is call it a vicious circle, um, but you're suspending them, and they don't know any better because they don't have fathers, and that's because you already suspended the fathers by putting them in prison, and that's why uh, so many young black kids are growing up without dads. Well, uh, let me just address it from a mathematical perspective. Uh, 73% of black kids are born to single-parent uh, mothers and to single-parent households. 73%. That doesn't even begin. The number of black males incarcerated doesn't even begin to approach that percentage or, or be responsible for that percentage. So that is a, it, it's a faint. It is an unrealistic argument. It's a bunch of bull, frankly. But beyond that, you don't make excuses for somebody who's about to beat in the head of a coworker or a student or a, a teacher or anyone else because somehow they didn't have a father in the family. We don't make right. exception for the fact that, okay, you can, you can rob, you can rape, you can steal because you didn't have a father. That, that is just nuts. And it hurts the, the, the purported beneficiaries because you are introducing 
into the school environment individuals who are not behaving in a manner that will allow others to learn. And we heard that over and over and over again. Let the me make people a... being harmed are the students who stay there and want to learn. Let me make one more comparison of the quota in the schools for discipline that you're talking about if we applied it to the outside world. We all know, you've, you've quoted the stats, the FBI has the stats, uh, the Washington Post has the stats, that 13% of the population, the African-American population, is responsible for more than 50% of American homicides. If they applied the same rule that they are trying to do into the schools to the, the population at large, um, 37% of murderers, black murderers, would have to go free because we can only only imprison the same percentage of the population in the prison population, right? This is what they're saying. You can't suspend kids more than their racial makeup in a school. Um, if the school is 10% black, only 10% of the suspensions can go to black kids. And that's how it would be in the in the world. Think about that. 37% of the murderers would, ha- would have to go free. We can't put them in jail because of the quotas. It's insanity. I'll let Peter Kirsten out wrap it up after this. Okay, final segment with Peter Kirsten out as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Pete, I asked you a few moments ago what would happen, what would, it, what, what would the consequences and ramifications be if schools had to you know, use these quotas and kids knew that they could not get in trouble or get serious consequences for their actions. And you said, well, anybody with common sense already knows the answer. You may answer the same thing to this question, but this is bigger picture here. What will the ramifications be? What will Ohio students be like 10 years from now, 20 years from now, if the State Board of Education votes in this proposal that you and I have been discussing today? They're voting in the State Board of Education today to essentially adopt every tenet of the Black Lives Matter mission and ideology and the 1619 Project. What will happen to these kids 10 to 20 years from now if this indoctrination is voted in? They're going to be little socialists in Venezuela because that is the ultimate aim, and we have seen that drift over the last 30 years. This accelerates it profoundly. Students won't know as much. They will not be as functional in society. They are going to be hyper-racial in their viewpoint because everything is being viewed here through the lens of race, even math. Understand one thing about the 1619 Project and much of the academic curricula that flows therefrom. You see in this resolution references to white supremacy. Now, the initial iteration of this resolution had more references to implicit bias and white supremacy, and then they deleted it. But much of the resolution is grounded in this notion of white supremacy. One of these days, Bob, you and I have to talk about that in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But what happens here is the curricula that we've seen introduced to some schools have said the following, and I'm not joking about this, that things such as punctuality, accuracy, hard work, excellence are white values. They are not black values. And for whatever reason, all these woke people completely ignore Asians and Hispanics. Yeah, they I was going to say, they're Asian they, values, they too. And, and apparently... right, they, don't, they don't exist. But think about that. To say that punctuality, accuracy, hard work, excellence are white supremacist or white values, that they are not black values, those are human values to ensure or at least give you a chance towards success in America, which is the greatest country for affording success if you adhere to 
just the minimum of these values. But they are telling black students effectively, and there are a lot of folks saying this in colleges and universities now, and even in uh, K through 12, that you know, you can't hold black students to standards of punctuality or that in terms of speech, their speech patterns shouldn't be precise and accurate. Hard work, you know, we've, we've heard this for at least 25 years now, that working hard in class is, quote unquote, acting white. There is nothing that you could come up with that would consign black students to poverty and failure more than saying that these universal values that have stood the test of time throughout every culture throughout history are somehow indigenous to one race and that other races should ignore them. Well, Asians aren't ignoring them, and they are succeeding spectacularly, exceeding in every well, measure whites in America. And, and, you know, Pete, just to go back to what we were talking about earlier, the one big you know, elephant in the room when it comes to the black community is, again, that, that, um, that marriage rate or that single parent raising children rate. Uh, is, is that not the biggest difference between two minority groups, Asians yes. and African Americans? A- Asians, Asians raise their children with two, pe- two parents in the house. And they yeah. demand, they check their schoolwork, they demand that they study, they demand that they read, they demand that they, they why do you think they are exceeding, like you said, by huge numbers, uh, white achievement in America? Um, and, and that's the answer. The answer is they're raising their kids differently than other races do, whether they be majority or minority races. Yeah, uh, somehow Asians are always excluded from the calculus, as are black African immigrants, immigrants as I indicated, who are yeah, exceeding white Americans mm-hmm. in every measure. Somehow they're excluded from all of this. But re- uh... remember at, at all times that what we're talking about is an attempt to actually change the nature of the United States of America. It's bad enough that we're becoming more racialist and so focused on race that we can't look at our own individual humanity, but we're changing the last bastion of freedom in this, or the the most uh, effective defender of freedom in this world, and they're doing it purposely. Must resist it. Everybody needs to be focused on what's going on at the state of edu- the state board of education. Amen to that, Peter Kersenow. Thank you for bringing the knowledge and the analysis. As always, my friend, we're probably going to call on you again when we see how this vote turns out. Thanks so much, Pete. And thanks for listening today. Have yourself a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye bye.